Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 29 reads, Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Let's notice from this verse what God expected of the Israelites. And he would expect the same of us today, just within the confines of a different law. Some of God's commandments would be different under the New Testament law. First, God expects us to fear him. This is kind of like the way I feared my dad. That would be a healthy respect of God as long as we are faithfully serving him. But if we are being disobedient, we should be scared out of our britches, knowing what eternal fate awaits us? Philippians 2.12 commands, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We should tremble at the thought of facing God in judgment, unprepared and out of compliance. Second, God expects us to keep his commandments. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John 14.15, If you love me, keep my commandments. I can show my wife I love her by kissing her, but I can't kiss God. He isn't here. So we demonstrate our love for God by keeping his commandments and repenting when we make a mistake. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. And Deuteronomy 5.29 says we should keep all God's commandments. Our goal should be to do everything God instructs in the New Testament. And when we fail, we are upset with ourselves and repent because we didn't meet our goal. This popular idea that it is okay to sin because everybody sins, 1 John 1.8, or it is okay with God for us to continue in one sin because we are doing most everything else right is false to the core. James 2.10 says, quote, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. And Deuteronomy 5.29 says we should keep God's commandments always. That would mean all the time and for the rest of our lives. The idea that as long as we believe in Christ and go to church on Sundays, it doesn't matter so much how we live Monday through Saturday is a false notion. And so is the once saved, always saved doctrine, a false doctrine. Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. Lastly, let's don't overlook Deuteronomy 5.29 is saying God would want us to have the kind of heart that would keep all his commandments always. It goes back to our heart and attitude every time. If we have the right kind of heart, we will live in obedience to God. And if we are not serving God faithfully, that reflects upon our heart. Maybe we need to work on our heart. Bible Crossfire, go ahead with your Bible question or comment. Phil from Grad Rapids, Michigan. Hi, Patrick. I uh, You had a couple of call a few weeks ago that I, I've been very disturbed about. You said that you said that since baptism is essential to go to heaven, that you would be willing to break the law of social distancing to baptize somebody. And I, I've been very disturbed about that because I've, I've heard you say on other programs that if you break the law, you go to hell. And I'm just, my question is, would you be willing to publicly repent of that on, on air? <laughs> Phil, you're, you're, you're a very clever kind of person. I'll admit that. You know, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, 
whether it be to the king as supreme or into governors and so forth. And there are a number of passages like that that tell us not to break the law of the land. But there are an exception to that. There is an exception, Phil, and you know that, of course. In Acts 5, the, uh, the, the law of the land was telling the apostles not to preach. And here's what Peter said in re- response to that, Acts 5.29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. So when you take all of what the Bible says, Phil, what the Bible teaches that we obey the law of the land as long as it doesn't cause us to violate the law of God. If the law of the land says drive 70 or less on the interstate, then we do that. But if the law of the land says do something that's contrary to the law of God, like don't you can't baptize anybody or you can't preach the gospel or anything like that that's contrary to the word of God, we have to obey God rather than men. As a matter of fact, that will test our faith. Is our allegiance, number one, to God or to man? Yes. Should we obey the law of the land? Yes. But what takes a higher priority, God or man? God does. So if God tells us to do something and man's telling us something different from that, of course we ought to obey God rather than men. Phil, don't you really agree with that? So what you're saying is if if a person drives 75 in a 70-mile-per-hour speed limit, are you saying that that's enough to send them to hell? Wait a minute. I didn't say anything like that. What I said is, what I said was, Phil, based upon your question, and Phil, what you, it seems to me that you were kind of trying to be rather devious there because you know I didn't say anything like that. What I actually said was, if the, we are to obey the law of the land, but if God says to do something different than the law of the land, we cannot obey the law of the land. That's what, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 teaches, and that's what Acts chapter 5, verse 29 teaches. Obey the law of the land. Do the best you can as far as social distancing and all these rules and stuff like that, but if there's something the law of the land is telling you to do that runs contrary to the Word of God, for example, if somebody wants to be baptized so they can be saved, you go ahead and baptize them. It's more important to obey God and baptize them than it would be to obey the law of the land and not baptize them. You know, I'm turning to the end of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius and his household heard the gospel, they needed to be told words where they're there and the house, his house could be saved. When Peter got through in that, in Acts 10, 47 48, he says, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which received, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So baptism is a command of the Lord. And if if the law of the land says don't baptize anybody, well, we'll just have to disobey the law of the land in that case. We obey them in every other case, as long as they don't tell us to do something that contradicts the law of the Lord. But the law of the Lord says it's a command to be baptized. So if somebody is willing to be baptized and wants to be baptized to be saved, we're going to have to baptize them. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved in Mark 16, 16. So we're just going to let people go unsaved because the law of the land says you should practice social distancing. Here's a person that believes in Christ. He's repented of his sins. He wants to be baptized so he can be saved from his sins according to what Jesus said in Mark 16, 16. And we're not going to baptize him. We're going to wait until the coronavirus is gone. What if that lasts three months? The guy waits three months. Dies in a car accident. <laughs> no, we're not definitely not going to do that. 
In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter told those people, those believers, who had crucified the Son of God and wanted to know what to do to make it right, to be forgiven. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So you, to get the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Ghost, you've got to be baptized. Now, we have all these people out here that want to shortchange that. Oh, you can get the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can get the forgiveness of sins without being baptized. But they're not being loyal to the Word of God. They're saying what they want the truth to be instead of what Jesus says. They are not showing allegiance to Jesus Christ in His Word because they're teaching you can do something different than what Jesus said in order to be saved. You know, a lot of people say, a lot of preachers say, that you're saved at the point of faith. Salvation by faith only. You've probably heard about it. The Lord appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. He believed in Jesus in Acts chapter 9. Three days later, Ananias told him to rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So it's absolutely false that a person their sins are washed away when he believes. Here we have Saul of Tarsus, later became known as Paul, wrote practically half the books in the New Testament. He was not forgiven of his sins. His sins were not washed away when he believed, not until three days later when he was baptized. Now, let me be clear. What washes away our sins? Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says it's the blood of Christ. The question is, when does the blood of Christ wash away our sins? Is it when we believe or when, we, when we're baptized? Well, what, did, what happened with Saul? Were his sins washed away when he believed on the road to Damascus? No. At least three days later, Ananias is telling him to be baptized to get his sins washed away. What washed away his sins? The blood of Christ. When? Not when he believed, when he was baptized. The lines are wide open. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. So we've been talking about Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29. That tells us, told the Israelites, that they were to keep all of God's commandments always. Now, we're under a different covenant, a different law. So some of the commandments might be a little different. Both both covenants said, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. The Old Testament, though, said things like, do animal sacrifices, circumcise your little eight-day old boys, keep the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, holy. That's not in the New Testament, so we don't have to do those. The New Testament has some things that weren't in the Old, like water baptism. That's not in the Old Testament. The Lord's Supper, that's not in the Old Testament. We're to follow the New Testament law exclusively. And what we can learn from Deuteronomy 5.29 is that we are supposed to keep all of God's commandments always. All of the New Testament instructions, we're to keep them always. Not just some of them. We can't say, well, I'm doing most of them, therefore it's okay to commit adultery on my wife. <laughs> no. James 2.10 says, if we violate one point, we're guilty of all. We have to keep all of his commandments always. We can't just keep his commandments during the daytime and go out at night to a bar and pick up a woman, can we? That's not keeping his commandments always. So we have to keep all of God's commandments always. New Testament is the law we're under. And when we fail, we need to repent. Jesus said in Luke 13, verse 3, Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That should be simple for everybody to understand. When you sin, you repent, you can receive forgiveness. If you don't repent, you won't receive forgiveness. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755.
The number to call, 877-655-6755. For a Christian, he's told this. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, a Christian, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're a Christian, if you sin, if you'll repent, Acts 8.22, confess, 1 John 1, 9, ask God to forgive you, he will. A non-Christian, he's required to believe, to repent, and so forth, to be baptized. Jesus said in John eight, John 3, verse 5, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you cannot be saved, enter into the kingdom of God, without being baptized in water. 1 Peter 3.21 reiterates this when it says, Baptism doth also now save you. Now, that doesn't mean that baptism earns our salvation. No, the death of Christ earns our salvation. It pays for our salvation. 1 Peter 3.21, when it says baptism saves you, is just simply saying baptism is a necessary condition we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. Just like belief in Christ. That's a necessary condition. John 3.16. Just like repentance is necessary. Acts 2.38. 2 Peter 3.9. Baptism is a necessary requirement. Deuteronomy 5.29 says we must keep all of God's commandments all the time. And that would also rule out this famous false doctrine, once saved, always saved. Because the doctrine, once saved, always saved, says that once you become a Christian, it doesn't really matter how you live, you're going to be saved anyway. But if that were true, that would imply that we don't have to keep all of God's commandments always, which we've just learned that we do. Galatians 5 verse 4 is a clear passage that teaches that once saved, always saved is false. That a Christian can fall from grace. It says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Many will say a Christian cannot fall from grace. This verse says that some had fallen from grace. You cannot fall from a tree unless you were in the tree to start with. These brethren had fallen from grace. If they weren't brethren, they would not have been grace in grace to start with. So they were Brethren, they were saved. They fell from grace because they tried to bind parts of the old law, like circumcision. A Christian can fall from grace. He's got to keep God's commandments, all of them, always. Deuteronomy 5.29. And when he does it, he must repent and receive forgiveness. Ron from Alberta, Canada. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, um, the last caller when you were talking to him, uh, I drive a truck, so I I don't always catch everything, but uh, I believe you said that they receive the Holy Spirit and the washing away of sins when they are baptized. Is that correct? Yeah, Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38. Okay. And what about uh, at Pentecost when these men all received the Holy Spirit? Uh, they weren't baptized yet, were they? Well, most likely they had been baptized by John the Baptist. But when Acts 2.38... Yeah, but that was, that, was, that was a different baptism, though. It sure was. But when they received John okay. the Baptist's baptism... It was a valid baptism. But here's the difference, or here's another difference. Besides the fact that they had been baptized, here's a difference. Acts 2.38 is not talking about the miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit. It's talking about what we read about in Ephesians 1.13 and 14, 
the guarantee, the down payment. Okay? And so, the miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit, that's not something that's necessarily given at baptism. That could be given at any time, even to a person who's not saved. What Acts 2.38 is talking about is the earnest of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit given to us, even today when people cannot perform the miraculous. 1 Corinthians 13, 8-13 teaches that the miracles, the prophecy and the tongues ceased at the completion of the New Testament revelation. Even today when people cannot perform the miraculous, they don't receive the miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit, Ron, like we read about in Acts 2. They still receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when they're baptized according to Acts 2.38. Now, did that make any sense, Ron? Well, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't quite follow all that, but... Uh, uh, Maybe yeah, I said it too I, quickly. Uh, well, um, I, I, I wouldn't say... Uh, I know I uh, I got saved in 2009, and... and uh, and I guess probably part of my upbringing and uh, et cetera, et cetera, I uh, I put off getting baptized until um, 14, 13, 14, somewhere in there. Listen um, to this verse again, Ron. Now, what would this mean? Here they had these people who had crucified the Son of God. They're the Jews that clamored for it. Peter accuses them of that in Acts 2, verse 36. They want to know what to do, verse 37, to make it right, to be forgiven. Peter says in Acts 2.38, I'm just going to read you the verse and see what you think, Ron. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, if I understand the English language, that would say that a person has to do two things in order to get two things. The two things he has to do, Ron, and I'm trying to go a little slower, is repent and be baptized. And if he'll do those two things... Peter says you'll get the remission of sins, which is just the old King James way of saying forgiveness of sins. And it says you also will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I can't make heads or tails of that verse, Ron, unless it's saying that you have to repent and be baptized to get the forgiveness of sins and to get the gift of the Holy Spirit. I see. Do you see why I believe that, looking at that verse? Well, uh... <clears throat> Let me read it again. I'm, I'm, not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue, I wouldn't argue the point. Um, but I guess, uh, I guess you are much better versed in the Bible than what I am. Uh, but I, I realize that there's, uh, probably 10,000 other verses that, uh, that are in here too. Yeah. I know one place where it talks about forgiveness in the, in the gospel, it talks about, uh, uh, believe and uh, repent and believe. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, one thing that, that we right? know. Yeah, repent and believe the gospel. One thing that we know, Ron, and this is where I think people make mistakes. When you understand the Bible is God's word, that means God wrote it. Aren't we agreed, Ron? Yes, sir. Absolutely. So it's not going to contradict. It's not going to contradict itself. It's all going to be right. So, but the people have most people have the wrong impression. They think. That looks like there's 20 verses that say this, and only one or two that say this. Therefore, those 20 verses must be right, and those one or two, we just dismiss them. They're probably wrong. That, that's, well, that's not the not way it the works. Way I, that's, that's, that's not the way I look at it. Good. That's I, good. What we I have mean, to if do... I have, if, I have, if I have 20 verses that say one thing, and there's another verse that says 
that that appears to say something else. Uh, I ask for understanding of that one verse that I don't have understanding of, or uh, the night the other twenty verses that I think I got understanding to to have the correct understanding. I mean, I it, that's it, right. It, it uh, uh, so so we're agreed, Ron. All twenty one verses have to be correct. It's not a matter of yes. lining them up and say I've got twenty verses on my side. You've only got two verses on your side, so my side wins out. No. What we do is find out the truth is where all 22 verses are true. So, for Uh example, let me give you an illustration. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Teaches you got to believe to be saved. Right, Ron? That's correct. Now, there's probably 20 verses at least like that to say if you believe, you'll be saved. you got to believe to be saved. But then... If we say, well, then then we conclude then all you have to do is believe, that would mean that ten verses that say you got to repent to be saved are all wrong, you see? So what we do is we, we find those twenty verses that say you got to believe to be saved, these ten verses that say you got to repent to be saved, instead of saying it's twenty to ten, all you got to is believe, you don't have to repent, what you do is all thirty verses have to be true. And what you conclude then is that, that a person has to believe and repent of his sins in order to be saved. And that, if you believe that, that means that all 30 of those verses are right. Not 20 against 10, and we've got you outnumbered, but all 30 verses are right if you teach that you have to believe and repent to be saved. Do you follow my line of reasoning, Ron? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's the the same way with baptism. It wouldn't matter how many verses are out there that teach that you have to believe to be saved. They're not going to mean that you don't have to repent to be saved or don't have to be baptized to be saved because we have passages that teach you got to repent to be saved and we have passages that you got to be baptized to be saved. So when you put them all together, all 40 of them, you see that a person has to believe, John 3.16, repent, 2 Peter 3, verse 9, and be baptized, Acts 2.38, to be saved. All of those passages are true. It's not 20 to 5. We don't try to outnumber anything. All of them are true because they came from God. What about the thief on the cross? Ron, I appreciate your call. You got any follow-up before I let you go? Yeah. Yeah, I said, what about the thief on the cross? Okay. So here, let's use the apply the exact same reasoning. We have passages like Mark 16, 16, Acts 2, 38 that teach you got to be baptized to be saved. And the thief on the cross looks like he was saved without baptism. Is that what you're saying, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Okay, well, there's got to be a way that all of these passages are right, and it's, it is pretty simple. Hebrews nine fifteen through 17 shows that the will of a person does not go into effect until after the death of the testator. So the New Testament law, the will of Christ, did not go into effect until after the death of Christ. Luke twenty four forty seven shows that it started in, in Acts chapter 2. So this teaching that you have to be baptized to be saved did not go into effect until after that. The, the, the thief lived under the Old Testament law. Adam didn't have to be baptized. Moses didn't have to be baptized. Abraham didn't have to I, be baptized. The thief didn't have to I be baptized because they lived I under say, the Old I Testament say, law. You I see say what I'm saying, Ron? Answer. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely understand hey, Ron, that. Yeah, I, I'm about I to have to, to go off the air. Okay. Yeah, but I, do you have one? you have something quick before I have to go off the air? I was just going to say, I, I understand the difference between before Pentecost and after Pentecost. That's exactly uh, right. Um, so, you know, the thief, uh, yeah, the there's... The thief didn't have to... 
you know, the thief didn't have to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Romans, Romans 10, 9 and 10 makes it very clear you have to believe in the resurrection of Christ to be saved. But the yep. thief couldn't have believed that. It hadn't happened yet. He was saved based upon Old Testament law, not New Testament law. Okay. You see how okay. I'm trying to make all the verses right, not trying to say these 20 I, outrule these five? I, 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 uh, I follow your, your, your reasoning and, and your thinking, yes. Um, Ron, I appreciate so much your call. i got to go off the air in just a minute, I'm, I'm, uh, half a minute. I'm going to let you go, okay? Okay, very good. Thank you, Ron. Let me mention that I would love to do a phone Bible study with anybody who desires that. Probably don't live close enough to come to your house, and we have the social distancing, of course, anyway. But if you're interested in doing a one-hour phone Bible study with me, I want you to call or text me on my cell number, which is 256 682 9753. 